Welcome. I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and even a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, at kristenesser.com, or on Instagram at kristenesser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. Welcome to episode 13. I'm so happy to be here, here in mid-September, as we are starting to transition into fall. I think I talked a bit about that in last the last episode, but I'm still transitioning, which is okay because it's not actually fall until probably September 21st. I haven't looked this year, so I guess uh, we're still in the, the tail end of summer. So I hope you've got something fun to drink while you listen. I've got my cup of tea. I really need to get a tea sponsor here. (laughs) But I have recently discovered at Trader Joe's, they are upping their tea game. I have have several, just, you know, regular Trader Joe's uh, tea bags, but, you know, I really prefer a loose leaf tea. It's a much higher quality tea. But now Trader Joe's is offering, I have two of them. It's called uh, Organic Fair Trade Kingsland single estate there's black tea and green tea and they are in pyramid tea bags i'm going to open and look at one and what that means if you've ever bought high quality tea from something like um, coffee bean and tea leaf where they really specialize in loose leaf tea they will put that loose leaf tea in these kind of nice quality um, tea bags and so i can you can actually see the tea it's in i don't know i hate to say this but it's probably plastic Ugh. Now that geeks me out because I really try to avoid plastic in food. But anyways, um, it hasn't hasn't killed me yet. There, you can tell that it's nice quality loose leaf tea. It's not literally the sweepings from the tea floor, which is apparently what a lot of, uh, tea, you know, tea bag quality tea is. So um, I've been drinking the black tea all week, and I just uh, bought some green tea um, from from Trader Joe's here. So um, I'm really enjoying that in my. Um, very sadly chipped favorite anthropology hand-painted mug or little teacup which i love this cup but you know when you've got kids doing dishes things get chipped and this got chipped at least it's chipped on the opposite side like not where i put my my mouth when i drink and i even went over to anthropology i'm like i'm going to just replace this with another hand-painted mug And, you know, I guess these kinds of things go in and out of fashion because they have nothing like this anymore. When I bought this, there were a gazillion different patterns. I had actually a hard time choosing which pattern I wanted on my beloved mug, and uh, they're all gone. So I think, I don't know, I think I'm just going to keep using this till it gets a second chip and then maybe retire it. As I'm recording here today... I am completely alone in my house. I cannot actually tell you when the last time this happened was. Well, I guess it was yesterday, but that was (laughs) before then. I couldn't tell you. Because we finally got the middle kid, Jonah, off to college. I say finally as if I was looking forward to this. I was not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we, we moved Jonah down to San Diego on Sunday, and it went like crazy smooth his move in time was at 8 30 in the morning we left at about 5 30 and we got there and um they just were set up so perfectly or perfectly organized 
you just went from station to station, you know, getting his ID and, and getting it activated. And then you could um, turn that in, turn that into them to get this big cart that we just took to the car, took two trips. He, he's in a triple, which is pretty common at UC San Diego. It, it's absolutely the most common situation for freshman dorms. And uh, he had one roommate that had actually already been there a month, not in his specific room, but he did a summer program, so he was in housing elsewhere on campus, but had been in that room probably um, for over a week. And so he was very well established. He had <laughs> such a, a store of food. It's like, I, I don't know if there were not a lot of dining halls open during the summer, so he just you know, kind of did his own thing or what, but man, it was like a fully stocked pantry on top of his wardrobe. But yeah, he was super nice roommate. He actually helped me make Jonah's bed, which was like the, um, the worst type of bed to make. It is a top bunk against a wall. It is just the trifecta of, actually, that's only two things. Can I call it a difecta? Of, of just the most horrible situation of trying to get uh, like fitted sheets on and stuff. And I speak as a mom with uh, kids that, you know, we've always had bunk beds. And uh, so anyways, he helped, the roommate actually helped me with that. I mean, we were just, we were done moving him in um, and actually put some of the stuff back in the van um, that Jonah was just like, okay, you know what? There's no room for this. Just take it back home. We were done like by 10, 15. <laughs> it was crazy. But we were like, we thought it was going to take all day that we would have lunch with him and dinner with him. When we took Chloe two years ago, we actually spent the night and came back the next day, even though she didn't really um, need anything at that point, but we kind of wanted to be available in case she did. And so we walked around the campus with her, but that was not going to happen with Jonah because he had uh, orientation the next day. So we're just like, okay, it's 10.15. We're not going home. So we walked around campus, found all his classes. And it's kind of interesting because my daughter goes there as well, although she is a semester abroad right now. Um, but their two housing areas are on absolutely opposite sides of campus. So we kind of don't know Jonah's side of campus as well. So that was just kind of interesting to see things from a different perspective and um, so we did that for a while. We went into La Jolla, had a really nice lunch, went down to the beach, um, parked the car, just sat on the beach and chatted. And it was a crazy day at the beach in La Jolla, kind of again at the, the end of summer. It was 80 degrees. It was kind of a perfect day. Took a long walk. And at some point we were just like, you know what? I think it's just time for us to say goodbye. And so took him back, met his other roommate and... Um, and yeah, said goodbye. I had spontaneously bursted into tears multiple times in the week following up to this. And um, that day was no exception. But, um, you know, said goodbye, pulled it together on the way home and and uh, came back home to our remaining, one remaining child um, who we've still got at home for three more years. And uh, so dinner seems a little weird now. Like when we took Chloe to school, you know, um, it was an adjustment, absolutely, but we still had two kids at home who were just in the midst of all that, you know, high school and middle school activity and stuff. The house still seemed full, and you know what? It's getting it's getting more and more empty, so um, I'm just going to really uh, enjoy these next three years with my, with my last kid who's at home full-time. But with that, uh, you know, last thing, you know, 
of summer, getting Jonah off to school completed. Now I can just really see if I can find my uh, find my feet, find my schedule, my routine for for fall, which I'm I'm still a little bit struggling with, but but that's okay. Uh, as long as I'm getting stuff done, you know, I don't have to tick off every box on my list. But I have. Um, on the quilting side of things, I have right in front of me squished under the sewing machine the, um, oh gosh, I wish I could remember the name, from Fat Quarter Shop. I'm doing a quilt called the Meringue Quilt. It is not exactly that. I'm going to reach over here and look at the um, the pattern. Did I do this? This seems, I'm having deja vu. Did I do this the last time? It is called the Jolly Bar Meringue Quilt. And um, I'm doing this for a, a Fat Quarter Shop thing and I pieced it together in no time flat a few weeks ago and last episode episode 12 I talked about the bit of a backlog I have for actually quilting things so this was the first one I was going to knock off my list and actually last episode I talked about taking it to um, Quilter Studio here that's that's local to me and long arming it because a year or so ago I took a a class to learn how to use that long arm and then went back and long armed um, a granny square quilt with just a big uh, loopy meander design. And I've been meaning to get back there to experiment. I actually have several quilt tops like set aside to really practice on. So I finally scheduled that uh, one Sunday. And then on Monday morning, I got a phone call from the owner saying that they are no longer offering a long arm for rent at that shop. I was, I was devastated. Then she said that, uh, she, she said, I looked up your account and you took the free, you took the class that you paid for and you came back and you did your, you, there's like a free two hours included with that class. And she said, and that's been a year and you haven't been back. And, and I think her, her point was, this is exactly why this is not a profitable thing for me. Um, the people, aren't coming in and actually renting it. And I was like, I know, I always meant to. I'm so sorry. Um, but at this point, you know, it's a Bernina long arm, like a Q24. It's really high end. You know, it's very, it was a very nice thing to have access to. But at this point, she wants to sell it and she doesn't want anyone to break it in the meantime. So I think the whole long arm adventure for me is maybe over. There is another place um, that I looked into, oh gosh, probably three years ago in the uh, in the San Fernando Valley, which is about a thirty minute drive from me. Um, but it was in this this really like tiny, rundown, I, I don't quilt shop, and I can't even imagine that it was really a viable quilt shop. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't even there. I got there like right when it was going to open one day, and the woman hadn't shown up in 30 minutes. So I just went to another quilt store and like shop for fabric. Um, this really great quilt shop in, in the Valley called Candies. And, uh, and then went back and on my way home and stopped by it again and she'd shown up, but, oh, you know, she had an appointment and I, I have a feeling that it, you know, nine times out of 10, no one's waiting for that quilt shop to open. So it's okay if she shows up an hour late, but the classes there were like, uh, you had to spend like $350 on a class um, to learn how to use the machine where at Quilter Studio it was $150. So just it's, it's just like a big hurdle to overcome and it's much farther away. So, um, so yeah, so I'm disappointed because I think I really would like long arming if I 
just, you know, got better at it and had a chance to practice. So I'm disappointed by that. But my own fault. I did not support the quilt shop that was doing this great thing. So I am quilting um, this half rectangle quilt on my Juki. Um, I'm doing a large paisley design, which is kind of funny. Um, I, you know, I got in a pretty good roll, you know, probably did 30 or 40 minutes the first day and then just left it. You know, is this a bad thing? I actually just left it with the needle down, turned off the machine and walked away so that I could just start back up and not have to break thread. I hope that's an okay thing to do. But then I sat down last night and as I'm, you know, quilting these paisleys, I'm thinking, are these the same size? Because I really wanted to do them big so I could really kind of knock this thing out. And plus, I, I like large quilting. So then I was trying to look back on what I'd done before and realized that my scale had started to shrink down. I think it's going to be okay. It's not, you know, it's very much blending thread, so I don't think it's really going to matter. But it's interesting trying to keep your scale the same when you're doing an all-over design, when you're doing it in, you know, various sittings. So, um, yeah, so I'm just really trying to knock this out. At this point, I'd really like to sit down about 15 minutes multiple times a day. I sat down for 45 minutes to an hour last night and it really gets to your shoulders and I don't have an ideal setup. Um, I actually sit on a big yoga bolster to actually get me to the right height so that my shoulders really don't ache but uh, quilting's quite a workout on your shoulders just you know kind of wrestling that quilt through. Again once I have to say I have to say that this juki with its larger throat space is so nice. I've really got no issues with feeling cramped, you know, with that quilt when I'm like at the center with a fully half of the quilt squished inside. It's not a really large quilt. It's throw size, but um, I'm very pleased with, with uh, my Juki, what is it? TL2200 QVP Mini. Boy, that's a mouthful, um, but it's it's got a, a nice, you know, hefty throat space for quilting and I love it. I'm very proud of myself for getting quilting. You know, a deadline always helps. <laughs> I have to have this quilt done by a certain time. But I also have to admit that I'm itching to start piecing. Um, and I did kind of fulfill that little um, urge to just sew. Before Jonah left, I made him a little pencil pouch um, out of some nice Essex linen. Um, it turned out a little wider. I kind of forgot that you could sew over a zipper to make it... Uh, smaller so it's like seven inches wasn't enough so I used like I don't know like a 10 inch zipper but it was a little wide for a pencil pouch I offered to take it apart and fix it but he was like I really don't care it holds my pencils and that's all I care about so that kind of um, fulfilled that desire to do a little sewing I also made him a little sewing kit out of uh, an Altoids container that just had a dark and a light thread on uh, just on bobbins actually one of them was um, just one of those pre-wound bobbins that was the light thread and then I did sacrifice one of my baby lock bobbins that had dark thread and I just took um, a little piece of batting and put in like two or three sewing needles a couple pins and like I hooked like three safety pins onto it I didn't put any kind of scissors in there I feel like I included one more thing I can't quite remember but that really is like the bottom line you just need oh I offered to put in some fusible like um that steam seam that's like on a roll that's just uh 
maybe a quarter of an inch wide, you know, to like that you could just fuse. But I don't, I'm pretty sure nobody in that dorm's going to have an iron. So decided that probably wasn't good. So um, I got to kind of fulfill that little desire to send him off with some things that were very mom. When Chloe went to school, we actually, I had her make a sewing kit, the difference between girls and boys, with um, a tutorial that was on the Fat Quarter Shop site that we, that had a zipper and it was curved, but we just she just followed the tutorial and it was really cute. And then again, I just filled things. Um, I had a really cute little tin that's about the size of an Altoid tin that had like four um, spools of Guterman thread in it and um, yeah, and just put together a few more things. So anyway, so that was, uh, that was nice, but I'm really wanting to um, either start playing around with some improv piecing, which might be about the right thing to do right now, but also I'm thinking about starting that rooftop wonders quilt for Ben. I did order a bundle of Essex linen that is gorgeous. I absolutely love it. I got... Um, kind of uh, four or five in the kind of from sort of off-white to brown, you know, like in the tans. And I did the same thing, kind of a spectrum in grays and then one blue because I thought I wanted to use that as the background in this um, Essex linen, uh, no, I'm sorry, in this uh, Rooftop Wonders quilt and then accent with a bunch of different color Kona solids and that we'd have kind of two different textures going. In reality, I'm not think I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, when I put it together, it's just not really working for me, but I am really glad that I finally, I have some of this Essex linen. It's, they're really just fat quarters, but I think I'm going to make um, a couple throw pillows for my bed with them just because I absolutely love the colors. I love, it's yarn dyed. Um, and so it's got the white threads running one direction. So there's just kind of a lot going on. And then they have a metallic version, which I did not buy, but I'm sure is totally gorgeous. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm just kind of thinking about that, thinking about the, the colors. So I think I'll start pulling some from fabrics, um, to see what the kind of the deep saturated solids that I want to use in this quilt probably will warrant a trip to Ventura for super buzzy because she carries the entire Kona line every single color and uh, I think that would be fun. So that's kind of it on the quilty side of things. Let's move on to what's on my needles, the knitting section. Um, I am currently on what they call sleeve island <laughs> on the sweater. I haven't been putting a whole lot of time into knitting. As a matter of fact, I put I brought my knitting basket in the car for this car ride to San Diego and back when we took Jonah, which, you know, is you know, was on average about three hours each way. And I never touched it. I don't know. I just couldn't. I wasn't in the right headspace for it, I guess. But it is coming along. I finished one sleeve. I'm down the second one. So I'm, I'm making good progress. I am starting to worry a little bit about having enough yarn. Um, the yarn that I used really tangled. And so I basically had to just cut it at some point and then and try to untangle it. And I rolled it all into these little balls. At some point, I just could not get things untangled. So I just cut it. So it's going to be close. Um, if I run out, I could do, I, I have enough to get down the sleeve. And the only thing left after that is the button band, which cannot really take that much yarn. In reality, I've never knit a button band, but look, it's, you know, an inch by 18 inch, I don't know, 18, 20 inches or something. That can't be that much yarn, but I could do a contrasting yarn there if I really had to. I who 
really hope that this does not come down to that. Um, so that's what, what's happening with the with the sweater. Someday I will report it's it's finished, theoretically. I'm itching to catch, cast on some socks. I'm resisting the urge until I finish that sweater and make a hat. So, because I'd really like to make Chloe a hat to bring to her when I go to Norway. And I have to kind of find my knitted mojo again, because when I'm in Norway, I have every intention of buying yarn because I hear that yarn is a really good deal there. So um, I have to feel like I'm in a good place for that. Now I did buy Norwegian yarn for those color work mittens that um, I may never make at that point, at this point, which are true wool and they're very, they, what they call like toothy. It's um, a little bit coarse, which is why you want them for like color work because the, the fibers kind of lock together and really you know kind of form a single piece of fabric but it's not the softest wool in the world and I don't really I need to do a little research to find out if that is true of all Norwegian wool or like you know basically Nordic wool if it's if it's more toothy and scratchy so I need to find that out but I'm excited about shopping for yarn when I'm there so um I'm also excited about um if this is your first time, I've talked about this incessantly in other podcasts, but my daughter is doing a study abroad in Norway. I'm going to go visit her at the beginning of November. And I'm actually now looking for really good shoes to wear while I'm there that can stand a bunch of walking. Over the summer, I bought my first pair of Birkenstock sandals. And I am in love. Absolutely in love. These feel so good on my feet. I did not get the standard they called the Arizona style with the two big flaps. These are actually a, um, a between your toe kind of sandal. And, um, and I went for the, their leather and they've got what they call the soft bed sole. I really, I, they will last me the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure they were pretty pricey. They were about a little over hundred dollars, but for a person who buys $25 sandals and throws them away every year, I think this was actually a really good investment. They did take some getting used to, um, I could feel them on my feet for the first week or so, but now it's like I, they are just, they're part of my feet. I love them. So I really, I looked into buying um, a pair of actual shoe shoes, if you know what I mean, that are Birkenstocks. And I found a pair of like Mary Jane type shoes that um, I really liked. They're $170. That is not happening. So, um, but that kind of got me thinking about that I need some good shoes because I don't want to wear athletic shoes as I walk around Norway because I've learned in Europe that wearing tennis shoes it just broadcasts you as a tourist when I was pregnant with Chloe so this was a long time ago probably yeah 21 years ago this November my husband and I went to Paris and oh and so you know I was kind of in that I was about five about five months pregnant and so, you know, I was all, kind of all about comfort. It was also really cold. I, I was not prepared. I didn't really bring the right clothes because I was in maternity clothes, didn't have a lot of selection, but um, I was definitely into comfort as you are when you're pregnant. And so we, you know, we walked all around Paris. When I think back on that, as much as I love that vacation, I mostly think I was so tired. I was just so tired all the time. But every time we walked into a restaurant, they would say to us, smoking or non-smoking because back then I don't maybe you can still smoke in restaurants in Paris you couldn't hear like and they would say it in English 
<laughs> which meant they knew that we were tourists. And that always drove me crazy. Like, how do they know? Like, they're just looking at us. And I think we, they, we finally realized it was the way we were dressed. You know, it was like jeans and tennis shoes. And, uh, and that really bothered me. And as I get older, I sort of aspire to dress a little better than just walking around in jeans and tennis shoes all the time. So, um, so thus my search for really good walking shoes that are, they're cute and stylish and warm. So I'm going to head out to, I think to the, the Clarks, uh, Clarks has really nice shoes, you know, that are really good quality. If you have any suggestions of shoes that are decent looking and you can, uh, walk for miles and miles and miles, please leave me, send me an email, leave a note in the comments, something I would really love some, some help here. As for what I'm reading, today I want to talk about this book by Michaelin Smith, you may know her as The Nester, called Cozy Minimalist Home, with the subtitle, More Style, Less Stuff. First of all, let me just say that the, the term cozy minimalist is like the perfect title of a book for me. It's so perfectly describes the style that I am constantly striving for. And I, I think I, I, I have nailed cozy. Um, I go through periods of, I don't know. No, I don't. I'm not a minimalist. I kind of want to be a minimalist. But what this book has done for me has helped me realize why I've never quite been happy with the rooms that I've decorated. And I didn't really know why. So first of all, I should say that this book, Cozy Minimalist Home, is, um, I got an advanced reader copy and it is uh, on sale October 23rd. But if you pre-order it, I'll put a link in the show notes, you get access to these online decorating classes. And she, she runs these online courses all the time, but you get uh, the classes that you get access to are her seasonal decorating. There's like one for fall, winter, spring, and summer, and then maybe one for celebrations. All I've, all I've watched is the fall one. So even though I got an advanced reader copy, I actually ordered a book so that I could get access to these classes, and I am not sorry that I did. Um, especially the copy of book I have is, is black and white pictures, and I want to see the color pictures when all is said and done. The concept behind the cozy minimalist and the mistake that, that she has identified that I make is basically trying to do too much with accessories. You know, I walk through a place like Home Goods or you look at model homes or whatever, and I just see these little vignettes of how they've arranged all these little things or gallery walls. And I think it looks really good, but I am not good at putting those accessories together um, on my furniture. And so every once in a while, every couple of years, I kind of do a big home goods shop and I try to mix it up to, to make myself happy. And I think, um, not to give too much away, but the minimalist part of this cozy minimalist is getting away from all the little accessories that one large piece is in fact, in the long run, cheaper and more dramatically, uh, you know, more dramatic in a room than a bunch of little stuff. And I realized that what I have is a bunch of little stuff. I have invested in good big pieces. You know, I have, um, I have two, you know, we have a, a family room and then what most people would call a living room. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of my office, but it's the first room when you walk in. I love the sofas that we have purchased there. 
Um, I have a beautiful chair in the family room that um, Minky, my friend Minky, loves to come over and style for photographs. She calls it the beautiful chair. She texts me, can I come over and take a picture on the beautiful chair? And um, we have a nice leather chair. I've, I've blogged before about how I... We bought these three pieces for the family room at different times, and I kind of regretted that I didn't think they went together. And then my friend helped me um, kind of buy throw pillows that tied the room together. So I'm actually very happy with that side of it. We do have an outdated entertainment center that we bought when we moved into this house 22 years ago um, when you could still put a TV like behind closed doors. So we, we still use that entertainment center, and it's nice. It was an Ethan Allen piece, which is why... I hate to get rid of it. Um, and we have a pretty small TV. And I still, when we are not watching TV, the front, the doors are closed on that entertainment center. Um, so when people come to our house, uh, there's often a chuckle about how tiny our TV is. But I'm kind of okay with that. At some point, we're probably going to have to upgrade that. Because what I don't want is to have that house that, like my, my best friend in high school, you would go to, over to her house and they had a living room that was never really touched. You know, that was kind of the thing. It was kind of a very staged, um, we used to call it a prop room because <laughs> it's not really for actual consumption. But her mom had decorated this room beautifully in 1967. And so this was like in the 80s. It, was, it wasn't even 20, gosh, it wasn't even 20 years ago, but it just, it had the you know, the 60s sofas and oil paintings. And, you know, there's a certain style of kind of mid-century modern end table and lamps. And it was beautiful and perfect and untouchable, not like slip covers, but you just knew no one used this room. But it was so dated. And, um, and her mom would say, like, basically, I know this isn't the current style, but... I loved this room. This was an extravagance for us to afford this. I love this room when I put it together. I love it today. I, I still love it as much as the day I put it in. And just because it's not in fashion doesn't make me love it any less. And I didn't actually like understand that then. And at this point also, um, or a few years later, was when the all-white kitchens were in. And, um, of course, that was not, you know, the way the kitchens in our parents' house were, were like this really dark wood and wallpaper and stuff. And, and I remember her saying to my friend and I, oh, girls, someday you were going to look back on this white kitchen phase and think, oh, my gosh, it's so sterile. I cannot even believe it. it's got no personality. I can't believe that I love this so much. And we said, oh, you're crazy. It's so fresh and clean. And, and I kind of get her point now. I mean, I, I love a good white kitchen still, but I kind of get her point. And I truly get her point about how, you know, especially when you're young and married and you invest in furniture, we made really intentional, deliberate decisions about the furniture we bought. And I still love these pieces, even though they are not in fashion. So anyways... My point is, is that I've, um, we have good large furniture pieces. I have a big large rug. I think the, the art we have in that room is okay, but I've never been able to nail the accessory side of it. So I've just got, and, and I've got all the, the typical things. I've got the, you know, like a black wrought iron bowl with all those little balls in it, you know, that are like made of, what are, what's the word, you know, kind of plant materials like wicker, that's not right, but you know, and I've, I've got um, a large um, ceramic vase. That's the one large piece that I have, and it's probably not big enough. And, you know, some photographs and, and 
you know, candles and, you know, candlesticks and it, it's fine. It's okay. These are absolutely first world problems, but it just, uh, I don't know, it's just not really me. And so through reading this book, she kind of takes you through a method of rethinking a room. Like if you know it's not working or if you're just moving in or whatever, um, and she takes you through a, a series of steps of actually removing everything out and then putting things back in a very intentional order to kind of read the room and, and figure out what does it need. And, and if I put one thing on the mantle that's a big enough statement piece, is that all you really need? And, and the different types when you do get to accessories, which is like the very last chapter, um, thinking about things like scale and texture and... Um, whether it's has straight lines or round lines, things that, you know, I, I never was thinking about. So I don't want to give too much away, but I have um, absolutely enjoyed this. I'm going to do a little series on my blog where I think I am going to remake, um, re kind of redo my family room in a very minor way. Because I, I, like I said, I'm not, this isn't about me buying new furniture. It's about pulling out the, the tchotchkes and, um, and figuring out, you know, even shopping from your own home, are there things that you can, um, that are around the house? Or can you bring some nature in from outside? And can you edit? Can Are there some things that you don't even love anymore and you can really let it go? And that for me, I can think right now, I've got this thing on my mantle. I've never been happy with how I've styled my mantle. I've got a long thing of like, this has maybe six votive candles. Um, and I always have had it in the center of that for years. The, 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 Candles are all melted in there. I've never been able to get them out. So we never actually light those candles. And it just seemed like the right thing to put there. But I am so over that. I'm so over all the candlesticks I have everywhere. So um, I'm kind of excited to really pull things out and start over and kind of photograph it as I go. I warned my husband on the way home from San Diego. Okay, I'm going to be doing this thing. Um, it may require a trip to Ikea. We This came up. We were passing this huge new Ikea in L.A. And... Um, I said, we really need to, need to get to Ikea because I actually want to get um, my son Ben a new dresser. And um, and that just kind of got me thinking about the fact that, okay, I'm warning you, this is happening. It's going to feel uncomfortable for a while. And he was like, okay, but don't expect me to basically not kind of make fun of you about it for a little bit. I'm like, okay, as long as we're on the same page here. So Cozy Minimalist Home. I will put a link in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out and a link to um, Michael and Smith's blog, which is uh, called, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure, Nesting Place. Her first book was called Nesting Place and I, I bought that and I really enjoyed it. But what's been interesting here is that she had a slightly, I mean, her style's very similar, you know, because you have your own personal style. And by the way, my style is not her style, but I that doesn't mean that her instructions are not and suggestions are not still good. But if you look back at that book, she definitely decorated with more accessories. And she even does before and after pictures in this new book saying, this is what I used to do. And this is what I'm doing now. And I just feel better with less, less clutter. And, and, you know, like instead of trying to fix things by over accessorizing. So I'm excited about that. And that about wraps up this episode. 
Um, Again, thanks for spending this time with me. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a rating or review on iTunes. It helps other people to find it. And thank you to Sherry from A Quilting Life for leaving a review last time. I really, truly appreciate that. Uh, I hope that you are having a nice end of summer transition into fall. I hope that it's going smoothly for you. And I enjoy spending this time with you. And I will see you again in a few weeks.